This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, June 19, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today's Old Testament lesson starts with um, Ahab telling Jezebel all the latest which unfortunately the Old Testament lesson doesn't clue us in on what it is. Um, But it's obviously rather upsetting because Jezebel gets really mad about it. Well, what's happened is that um, Elijah has has challenged the prophets of Baal, who is the the new god in town, if you will, because Jezebel was a worshiper of Baal. She was a foreigner, and she had introduced Baal worship into Israel. And it had become very popular. And he challenges all the prophets of Baal to sort of a religious duel. And so he says, what we're going to do here, we're near Mount Carmel, and we're going to set up an altar and put on it a beast. And we'll tie the beast up. And we're not going to use fire, though. What we're going to do is you have to pray to your God to send down fire from heaven and consume the beast. And whoever God, whoever God does that first wins. That's the true God. And then he says to the prophets of Baal, well, there's so many of you, why don't you go first? Um, and, and so there were, there were you know, probably 50, 100 of them. And they all take turns calling upon Baal to send fire down from heaven to consume the beast. And they start dancing and chanting and, and you know, going around wailing and you know, calling out to their God. And after an hour or so of this, um, Elijah says to them, well, gee, what happened to your God? Has, in the scripture, it, translated, it translates it as, has he gone aside? Now, in the Hebrew, the euphemism is, did he pull off the road to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> that he's delayed, you know. So, we always have to clean up the Bible. You know, you can't have a prophet saying something saucy like that. But, but he's making fun of, of their God. Well, they're just furious about this. But it didn't do any good because the fire is still not coming down. So they say, well, let's see if you can do any better. So he says, well, okay. And there's a creek nearby right down at the foot of Mount Carmel. And he says uh, to the servants there, go and bring gallons of water and pour it all over the altar and the beast that is there and make it really wet. I mean, and so they do. They soak it. You know, I mean, the, the thing's just water oozing out of it by the time they get done. And the prophets of Baal are thinking, well, this isn't going to happen. You know, I mean, this is a pretty safe bet. And so he simply closes his eyes and says, Lord God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, send down your fire from heaven and consume this beast. And next thing you know, whoosh, the fire comes up and the beast's gone. And the prophets of Baal are like, uh-oh. And so Elijah turns to the Israelites who are witnessing this, saying, you now know who the one true God is. Slay these false prophets of Baal. And so they do. They kill all of them. And said that the blood was so thick that the waters of that creek ran red um, because of the blood that had flowed into them, um, because they had blasphemed against the Lord. That's the story that Ahab tells Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is a worshiper of Baal, and they were her priests and prophets that this had all happened to. Well, needless to say, she she wasn't too happy about it, (laughs) and she was mad, and she said, let it be done to me in the same way if I do not do the same to you before tomorrow morning. 
And so Elijah decides that perhaps now is a good time to get out of Dodge. <laughs> and so he leaves, and he starts running, and he runs south. And he's in Samaria, which is kind of right in the middle of Israel, and he goes south into Judah and, and even further. When he gets to the edge of Judah, he tells his servant, you stay here, I'm going to keep going. And he goes another day's journey before he finally um, is exhausted and sits down below a broom tree and, and just waits to die because God is not answering his prayer. You know, where is the God who delivered it? Where's the God who sent down the fire from heaven? Why is it all of a sudden he isn't showing up? You know, it, you know, Elijah could use a little help here. I mean, after all, Jezebel's the queen of Israel. She has an army in her disposal. You know, a little help would be good. An angel wakes him up and says, eat. He says, I don't want to eat. No, eat. You'll need it for the journey. He's probably thinking, where am I going? And so he does eat, and as it turns out, it sustains him for 40 days and 40 nights until he arrives at Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. Now, what happened on Mount Sinai? Hmm? Moses, yeah, Moses was there and the Ten Commandments, and Moses saw the backside of God, remember? So it gives us a clue as to what Elijah is really doing. He's seeking God. Where is God? You know, he showed up when I, at, the, at the duel, but he hadn't seen him since. You know, what's going on? And here I've done all this hard work. And so he hears a voice in this cave, and it says, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, that's kind of interesting. Do you think God didn't know what he was doing here? <laughs> no, I mean, he knew, obviously. But, but Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. I always thought God probably went, well, whoop-de-doo to you too. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy for you. I guess that makes you. And he said, you know, I signed the false prophets. I did all this stuff. But now my life is in danger because of all this. He goes, huh. I'll tell you what, go outside. <laughs> Well, the first thing, now I hadn't gone outside yet. The first thing that happens is that there's this huge windstorm that comes along like a tornado that is so rough that the rocks even start breaking off the side of the cliff and falling. So apparently Elijah decided that wouldn't be a good time to go out, so he waits. And then a fire comes flying by. And, but God isn't in the fire either. And then in a still small silence comes, which if he was in a hurricane place, I would tell him was the eye of the storm and that the rest of it was coming back. But he, he goes out, and God says to him again, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, this is the second time he's asked this question. And you know what Elijah says to him? Did you all catch that? I've been very zealous for the Lord. I mean, he goes right back to the same speech he had prepared before. And God's going, oh, jeez. And so God's answer to him about what happened to him, is, it says, go and return to the wilderness of Damascus is how it ends there, but it goes on. It's really saying, go through the wilderness to Damascus on your way back to Samaria. Now, do you think that's the answer that Elijah wanted? Did he say what was going to happen when he got back to Samaria? Did he say he would go with them? Did he say anything other than, you're not supposed to be here? Go back to Samaria. No. He does tell him to go by Damascus, where he's supposed to pick up a servant, um, and then go, who will follow him and go with him. And yet, we do know, if you read the rest of the story, what happens with Elijah. He does go back 
to um, uh, Samaria. Jezebel is determined to kill him, but as it turns out, she happens to fall off her balcony and, and splits everything open when she hits the ground, and nobody will touch her, and so even the dogs come and clean up the, the remains. Just goes to show that God's ways work out one way or another, and Elijah is never killed. As a matter of fact, Elijah never dies. He ends up, when it's time to go home, he goes to the Jordan River and catches a ride on a chariot up to heaven. So if you ever want to ride to heaven, you've got to go to the Jordan River and catch the first chariot that, that comes by. So what does that tell us about today and about us? Well, in a lot of ways, we're a lot like Elijah. We might be very zealous for the Lord. You know, we'll tell everybody what, you know, this is the way Christians are supposed to be and that sort of thing, or not. But if, if not to others, then in our private life, we might be very zealous for the Lord. We might go to church every Sunday, might tithe, might do all sorts of things. But then when it comes time that we need to seek the Lord, where do we use, when is that usually? When we're in trouble, yeah. When there's chaos going on. When we need somebody to fix our problem. Now, I hope we've learned in the thousands of years that have passed that you don't approach God by going, God, I'm really good. Because um, that won't get you very